Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. We discuss five questions in about 10 minutes, and I'm very excited to welcome our guest today. This is Ronnie Daniel. He is the Director of Philanthropy with Who Lives, right here in Utah, South Jordan, to be specific. Ronnie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. What would you like the audience to know about Who Lives? Well, thanks, Sean, for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Who Lives is a nonprofit that works to do clean water projects in developing countries. And so we spend a lot of time and resource bringing uh, water to or to communities who need it. And we believe that when we bring in water, then we can help solve a lot of their healthcare problems and we can create a lot of opportunity. Um, so many hours are spent fetching dirty water that makes people sick to six hours a day. I mean, just imagine what you'd do with six more hours in your day, right? If we can give that, then there's a lot of economic opportunity that arrives. And so we, the other thing is that we don't just walk in and give away water wells. We are involved in helping create sustainability, self-reliance. And so each of the communities we work with actually uh, work to purchase the well. We do a micro loan up front so they can get the clean water and then they pay that loan off over the next 10 months so that they then own the well and have that personal responsibility to keep it up and running. So it's a great, great organization. If any of your listeners would like to know more, they they can contact me through you and uh, or just visit our website at uh, wholives.org and learn more about what we do. Fantastic. Well, it's a great endeavor, a great project. I'm very excited to get to work with you a little bit more on that. I think it's a great, uh, great endeavor of what you're trying to do. So good for you guys. Thank you for, for doing that. And again, thank you for taking time to be here. So well, let's dive into the questions. This is always the fun part is to learn a little bit more about uh, leaders' insights into these questions. The first question, now, Ronnie, knowing you, I'm sure you've never had a conflict with anyone before, but you're such a nice guy. But in the event that maybe other people have had a conflict or maybe you had a little disagreement with someone that has worked for you or that you worked for them or a, a collaborator, a coworker, whatever, how did you resolve that kind of a conflict or how maybe did you help others resolve it? Sure. So I, I think first and foremost, I mean, most conflicts I think can be avoided if there's clear, um, clear communication going on and a clear establishment of expectations. I think typically when a conflict happens, one or both parties don't clearly understand what the expectation was. Right. And so I think that's that's a, a proactive thing that we can do. But if that hadn't happened and there is a conflict, I think that's the place to start. Let's go back and review expectations and what each person understands about that and clarify and help um, help each individual understand what the, the roles and their, their goals are in that process and answer any questions. You know, I think I, I try to be calm in conflicts. I try to, rather than making it personal, Let's let's actually identify what is it that you're upset about specifically, and find out. And usually, it's be, like I said, it's because I wasn't hadn't been clear in, in communicating to them up front, or they hadn't been listening, or whatever it might be. There wasn't a clear reception of what the expectations were, and so I think that, in my mind, if I as I've thought about this question and different conflicts I've had, that's that's been the way that I've tried to resolve them is going back to that basic question: what are the expectations and um, and and then what can I do as a leader to make sure you have the resources or the training or anything that you need in order to do and fulfill the expectation? Well, that's great. Great advice to not only prevent, but how to handle it when something goes wrong. So setting clear expectations. I really like that. That's a great comment. 
Question number two, Ronnie, I'm sure you've heard the phrase that people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. What's one idea or tip or suggestion that you have for leaders to help them retain their talent a little bit longer? Uh, you know, this this will sound kind of um, funny maybe, but I think you've got to really love your employees. And I mean, it's so much so that you're willing to develop a relationship with them and really you know, build them into the the you know, environment of your organization. I mean, typically you're going to spend a lot of money to hire someone and train them and get them up to speed. And if you don't also develop a relationship of trust with them, then you're going to have spent a lot of money because they're probably going to leave, right? And so that's, that's you know, I, I think back of all of the people that I've worked for that I've really loved to work for, is because I felt they cared about me. They, they they not only cared about me as a person, but they cared about me professionally. They helped me get the things that I needed to in, improve my career over time. And so I've always tried to emulate that same, same philosophy in leadership roles that I've had to make sure that the people who work for me know that I care about them and care about their work. I, under, I try to be as understanding as I can be about the various situations that they're in. I mean, we all bring baggage to our jobs right our, our families or whatever going on our health you know but if you under you can be understanding of that and give give people some space to be human i think is uh is really important and part of that is going back to the the answer to my previous question is i think you can build that relationship of trust if there's clear expectations and that you've established your relationship based upon those expectations i mean everybody is getting paid to do something, right? And if they don't know what they're doing, they're gonna be frustrated and you're not gonna be happy with them. And so making sure that is very clearly understood. And then, as I said earlier, make sure they have the resources and tools to do their job effectively. Then people will tend to stay with your organization. I, I and I, I don't mean to brag about this, but my I, I worked for the Alzheimer's Association in, in my last job for eight years. And, um, I was one of the only chapter executives around the country who was able to maintain my staff. I mean, I had incredibly low turnover um, over the eight years that I was there, comparatively speaking. So I, I, I like to put that into practice. And I think, I think if you go back and talk to any of the people who work for me, they, they would explain that that's, that's the type of relationship that I tried to build. And um, based on clear understanding, based on trust, I think that's the only way that you can really have a, a longstanding team and, and make a, make a big difference in whatever your job and your, your profession is. Well, that's a great response. I really like the idea of whatever word you use, love, caring, empathy. There's lots of different words out there and they all mean something a little bit different to each person, but just the idea that you care about your people. I think that is so incredibly important and that will win over a lot of hearts and keep them around a little bit longer when, you know, maybe the money might be a temptation, but uh, you know, what do they say? Love conquers all. So perhaps that's the, uh, <laughs> the way to look at it. So very good. All right. Question number three, uh, Ronnie, what ideas or tips do you have to help leaders build resilience in a team? Um, yeah, I think you need to revisit um, on a regular basis what your organization's all about. I mean, we all have missions that we're all trying to accomplish something. I've spent my la my 32 years in the professional world in nonprofit. And so it's that might be a little easier to connect people to a mission of a nonprofit than the mission of a, a company who's trying to make money. 
But even even in a company that's trying to just make money, there's a mission there. You're trying to make the world better in some way. And so making sure you can tie people back into that mission regularly. One of the things that I do now in my current role is I work with companies to help them establish a social responsibility program. Because even, even um, a company that's not a nonprofit, employees today want to make, they want to feel like they're making a difference. And so if some of the profits that the company is earning can be you know, given to a social uh, aspect, something that the, the owners of the company care about or the employees care about, that makes people feel better about what they're doing. They know that they're, they're giving back to some, some organization and, and whatever that might be. Uh, Who Lives is a great organization to give to if you're interested in developing that. But, uh, but that's, that's the, the, I think the thing is resilience is keeping people in your company for the right reason. You know, if you're just cranking out 40 hours a week plus and you're, you don't feel like you're making a difference, it's hard to be resilient. It's hard to come back every week and, and start that new week over. I, I think it's also important to make sure that you're spending that time communicating with, with your staff. You know, it kind of goes back to the previous question. You know, if you feel like they've got a good relationship with you and they trust you, then they're going to be more resilient in, in the work that they do. Fantastic. All right. Thank you. Question number four. Is there someone that you would like to recognize that has had a positive influence in your life? Sure. So I, uh, my first 16 years of my career, I worked for the Boy Scouts of America. And uh, so it, it's, well, it's a nonprofit, it's a national organization. And sometimes the Boy Scouts have the same challenges um, as other national companies have. You know, there's, you get it, you get into kind of the, uh, the there's, you know, a lot of uh, red tape or there's a lot of, you know, overhead and, and people get frustrated with that. So um, in my uh, second area of work, I was in Colorado Springs and um, I had a new boss come in to take over the the, uh, chapter or the council executive position. And um, the first thing that he did when he came in was uh, demote me. And I thought, oh my gosh, why, you know, I've been working hard to try, you know, we had, we were without an executive director for a little while. And so I was really trying hard to keep things together thought that he would come in and recognize that and, and give me a promotion, but um, just the opposite happened. And so as he coached me and he built that relationship of trust with me, he said, you're not ready yet to take on this responsibility of managing this team. The team doesn't respect you. Um, and so he helped me over the next six months do some things that helped me develop relationships of trust with the rest of the team. And then eventually because of the work I was able to do, he did promote me. And we developed this incredible relationship, but it was all built upon him being honest with me and and developing a relationship of trust up front. And he's probably, I'd have to say, the the very best person I've worked for in my career because of that of that ability to develop a relationship of trust with me early on and and be be honest. I mean, it's hard to be brutally honest with people, right? Yeah. But you know, my my view of what the expectations were and what his view as the as the person who had to make those decisions were very different. And so once we got on the same page, I was frustrated for a few days, um, for sure. I mean, nobody likes to be told that they're not ready for something when they think they are. Sure. But you know, he didn't just let me go and, and sulk in a corner. You know, he he took me under his wing and he right away uh, helped me learn some skills. He sent me to a course that was helpful to me and. Um, it really showed me that he cared about me as a person um, and helped me be a better leader down the road. 
Wow, that's a great story because it it demonstrates some real character in both individuals. You having the humility to say, okay, I, I'm not ready then, then I'll learn and have that teachability. And then, of course, him doing what you described, having that that brutal honesty to say, you're not ready, but let me help you. And that's, in my view, that is such a great characteristic and quality of any good leader is to say, let me help you. Let me help you become better. I love that story. Thank you. All right. Well, Ronnie, last question. Tell us a little bit about your first job. So again, my first job was working for the Boy Scouts. Uh, I started uh, right out of college in Stockton, California, um, working there. And so my first job was was called a district executive. And my, my job was to be responsible for all of the Cub Scout packs and Boy Scout troops in a certain territory. Um, so it revolved around recruiting more boys to be in the program. It recruited, it also included fundraising, uh, which I, I didn't know that I would really love as much as I do. Um, and I, that was my, my first foray into actually asking people to support an organization. And it also revolved around working with a lot of volunteers. And so those are the big things that I was responsible for. And I had another great person that I worked for there who helped me be, be able to learn those skills. And the, I, I learned something in that first experience of mine from a fundraising perspective. But I think this revolves a lot around sales. I mean, fundraising is really just another sales role, right? right. That's right. But, but what, what I learned was that I wasn't fundraising. It was all about friend raising. And it was about connecting people to our cause. It was about finding those people who believed in the values of my organization and gave them a, a way and a, and a reason to support that. And, you know, I believe a lot in the idea, especially from a nonprofit expe- uh, perspective that, um, you know, I call them the three T's that we ask people to, to do for a nonprofit. We ask them for their time. We ask them for their talent and we ask them for their treasure. And um, people, some people can give one, uh, some people can give all of those three things. But if you can connect them to the mission of your organization and they get passionate about that, they're more than willing to give whatever whatever they're capable of. And, that, and that's the other thing is I learned in fundraising is, you know, it's up to the it's up to the donor. It's not up to me what they're going to give to an organization. I just need to be the conduit and through which they can make their contribution. So that, that was my first job. And. Um, I, I went on to work for the Boy Scouts for 16 years and then uh, left the Scouts and moved back to Utah and worked for the Museum of Natural History at the University of Utah for a couple of years. I worked in for the Living Planet Aquarium and helped raise the money for that new facility there in, in Draper. It's not new anymore. I keep calling it a new facility, but it's been there for <laughs> quite a while now. But um, I right. was, was really excited about that. And then I mentioned I worked for the Alzheimer's Association and, and now for Who Lives. But over the last 32 years... I've been fortunate to work for organizations that I could build a passion for personally and understand the mission and desiring to bring as many people into those organizations as possible. And uh, I I feel really, really satisfied at the end of the day when I sit back and look at, um, you know, the difference I've made in, in not only the organizations, but in the people that were connected to that. Uh, you know, you've heard the story of this, the starfish story, right? Where mm-hmm. someone's walking on the beach and throwing in starfish and, you know, the person says, well, that'll never make a difference. You know, it'll save all of them, but it made a difference for that starfish, right? And I feel that way. I, I, I've i taken that approach and if I can help one person have a better life um, because they were connected with something that I've done, then I feel like I've made a difference, right? And so that, that's, that's, awesome. that's what's motivated me throughout my career. And 
Um, uh, I've loved it. Loved every minute of it. Well, good for you. I like that approach a lot. I think that's a very good way to look at all things in life is to be connected. So very good. All right, Ronnie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Give us your, uh, the who lives website one more time. Yeah, it's who, uh, who lives is uh, who W H O lives L I V S dot org. And you can go there and learn all about the our organization, the village drill and the, you know, 10,000 10, wells that we've dug over the last 12 years and the, and the difference in the, about 10, 10 million people's lives that we've made. So go ahead and check it out. And so your LinkedIn profile also, it's Ronnie Daniel, no S. So make sure Correct. for all those who are yeah. listening, make sure if, you, if you're watching or listening, either way, if you want to look up Ronnie, make sure there's no S on Daniel's because it's just Daniel. So very good. Just one of me, I like to say. So. <laughs> very good. All right. Thank you so much. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more for more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. We also invite you to subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you are listening or watching. Thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great day.